Damn. Uh. Alright, welcome back to another episode of the 104 yeah. Podcast. I am your co-host, Ron Vijegas, and this is a podcast about the Edmonton Oilers in a healthy yeah. and productive manner. Um, on my right, actually, I would say on my left, we're, we're recording in a different location now. So Yeah, we've switched it up we here. we switched it up. And Switch also, up the lines. <laughs> on my left is a person that's trading one podcast to another podcast, because he's ending another podcast, but he's... Keeping it on in this one. This is Elliot Tanti. Don't worry, they're retaining some salary. <laughs> they, they better be retaining some salary. <laughs> so I'm not paying you. <laughs> How you doing, man? Oh, it's good. I'm sorry about the uh, the missed week, but I'm happy to be back. We got an extra slate of games to talk about, yeah. and a whole bunch of news that's taking place. Yeah, in the last two you weeks. missed uh, you missed an exciting week. This is a, the one week that you missed. Is like the week that we're like. Well, it's not as though I missed it. Yeah, I, I knew mean, it was going missed, on, but we, we, we there's a lot didn't going record. on. We didn't record. That's right. The people missed it. The people missed it is what had happened. <laughs> the people missed it. So let's get into the recap. Okay, for let's the last do that. Weeks. All right. So two weeks of games to recap. Uh, two weeks ago, the Oilers started off with a big 6-2 win over Montreal. This was after a, what was a very disappointing week, the week previous, in which mm-hmm. they had lost. They got 0-3. Uh, seemed as the team to turn it around. There was a little bit of more excitement. Obviously, lots of scoring. And then things went a little bit crazy, hey? <laughs> I think sure you predicted did. them going one and one. They, I did. They'd beat, win, they beat Montreal in the game that they needed to win and then lose and somehow then to, Calgary. to Calgary. And that was exactly, like exactly like I said. what happened. <laughs> they thought next week they lost to Calgary 4-2 to two on the Saturday night. Uh, did um, you watch that game? I watched, yes, the majority the of it. Calgary one, yeah. Yeah. Um, disappointing effort all around. and They had a great two periods. First two periods, yeah. they were great, and they just like sucked it up. In yes, the third. exactly. Uh, and it threw away a game, and then they followed it up with a 6-3 loss to Vegas. Lost terrible. in a similar fashion, in the sense yep. that they were ahead, and then uh, there's a span of four minutes in the middle of the second period where they gave up three goals. And all of a sudden it was 4-2. Yeah. And that was uh, sort of the defining moment. And then, well, all hell broke loose. And we're going to talk about a little yes. bit about the change. But obviously <laughs> we had a change in coaching yes. between the next two games. They beat San Jose. Overtime win 4-3. to three. They were down one nothing. They were down 2-1. They good. were down 3-2. Yeah. And then they finally won in overtime. It was a good game. It was, that a, was good a good game. game. I, it was a good game to watch. Yeah. I don't know if it was necessarily, you know... A good. I thought the Oilers were outplayed. Yeah, San Jose so. is a hell of a team. Hey, yeah, they've yeah, got to I mean, be the odds-on favorites. They are they're they're one, of the, one of the best teams in the NHL for sure. Yeah. So that was. Uh, but you know what? Anyway, uh, Hitchcock's first game. We'll get into it a little bit later. But that was nice to see. And then Friday afternoon, a two-one loss to Anaheim in a game that I know you watched and are infuriated oh, by. Terrible. Uh, this is like I can't believe we lose to Anaheim like this. Like the fifth time in the last twenty-four months <laughs> that Anaheim has scored with. Uh, or the fifth, five, they've scored five goals with an empty net in the last 24 months against the Oilers, dating back to that game five in which Kessler pride. Yeah, okay, I won't say it. Um, anyway, Anaheim is Edmonton's Spain. They lost 2-1 in overtime. Hate, they got the point. You want points in these types of things. They do want and points in this, I guess. They had this game won, though. Oh, my God. They had God. this game won, won nothing. Absolutely. Anyway, that's fine. That was three games that they would have won. They could have won. They should have won. Like, yeah. I feel like there yeah. was Calgary, Vegas, and Anaheim, all games they should have won. Yeah. Um, they didn't win two of them, and they resulted in a new coach. Yeah. Let's talk about our strengths and opportunities this week. You have a very interesting take. Yes. Well, I mean, it's not really much of a take as much as, like, this is what the tide is, friend, like, trending towards. Um, on my opportunities was Cam Talbot, and on my strengths is Miko Koskinen. 
I think that this is a very interesting way that we have uh, uh, approached now in the goalie situation. And you know what? I think this is big of me in regards to me being hold such on, a... Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Start over. <laughs> I want to make sure I get this right. This is big of me because I was... A very, I was down on Miko Koskinen on the preseason. He was not looking good. You were very critical of a certain two point five million dollar contract. I am as also I critical of that. <laughs> I'm still critical of that. But if Koskinen can become the number one, and it looks like he's trending to be the number one goalie in Edmonton, I I'm fine with that contract now because Ta- this is Talbot's this is Talbot's contract year. I'm so shocked that Talbot is losing his job to Miko Koskinen in this in this regard because. He needs to get paid next year. Like I don't know why he has he's been taken over. Like, is anybody saying that that well, Cam Talbot is not losing his job uh, right now? I was I think if you well they're both going into a contract year, right? Like yes. both their contracts are up at the end of the year. If it was up to you right now, you would sign Mika Koskinen, correct? I would sign Mika Koskinen, but I you know I don't know if I put a number one. I would still go look for another goalie. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah you need I, to. I wouldn't. I wouldn't get back Cam Talbot. But you'd give him the number one duties and the, con- the number one contract, so he'd probably get a raise. Let's say two point seven five three million. Yeah, sure. Let's give him a two. So seven, I think everyone is pretty much in agreement with you is that he would that they would do the exact same thing. Yeah, he would be the guy that you'd, you'd give the contract to, not Talbot in this situation. Absolutely. Talbot's struggles don't aren't just this year though. They date back to last year as well too. Yes, he was you know on a, what was a very a bad Edmonton team. He struggled all last year as well, he did. too. So it's not as though this is like a new phenomenon or he's having a bad couple of weeks. You know what? It's been a bit of a time. There's been a large enough sample size here now. And you're, we're getting to the point now, um, Herman, where you're thinking like he's probably had, as an Edmonton Oiler, less time that's been good than bad. Like when you think yes. about it, he's had one good season, one yeah. really good season, yeah, outstanding season. Great season, season yeah. One pretty terrible season, yeah. bad season, last mm-hmm. year, and he's had a bad start to this season. So really, he's had more time that, with the team that's been poor than good. Absolutely. And uh, that's just, you know, back to the matter, right? Yeah, it is. And, like, I was so uh, Surprising, high. surprising. They're so high on Cam Toppet. Like, his career, his, his job backing up um, Henrik Lundqvist in New York Rangers, he did a great job with that. And, <clears throat> to be honest... There was an opportunity for the Oilers in that time period to either get uh, Cam Talbot, Robin Leonard, um, Eddie Lack. Those were the three. And I think they picked right. I think they picked Cam Talbot was the best choice in that regards. But, like, I I don't know. Like, I, I'm still, like, I still think that, that Talbot's going through maybe, like, a Lucic kind of thing. Or his confidence is just shot. And, I mean, that Vegas game, he looked bad. Yeah, really bad. But he's had a lot of those games this year. The other yeah. side of it is, you know, the first two weeks of the season, after the Oilers kind of had their shitty run and then went and won four straight, he was outstanding in those games mm-hmm. as well. But Koskinen did win one of those he games. He did. He did. So it's not as though he's been doing it all alone. You really saw, you know, an opportunity for a tandem goaltending. Maybe Cam plays yeah. 60 games and or, you know, 55 games. Yep. Koskinen plays 25, something like that, you know, yep. some sort of breakdown. Um, but Cam Talbot, I think, is one of those goalies that plays well when he plays a lot. And... He can't play a lot because he hasn't been having success. So no. move it away. I think yeah. your strengths and opportunities are really clever this week, and I think they're well justified. Yeah, no, I think so too. Thank you. I appreciate that, Elliot. <laughs> what about yourself? What about who's your opportunity for you? You know what? 
this is uh, my strength is going to Milan Lucic, but it's actually going <laughs> to Kenyon because um, he's done the thing that no that Tom McCullen w- was never able to do, which is put Milan Lucic on the Holy fourth line, shit. despite the fact that he's six million dollar player. And are I we, know it's a really expensive. Are we thing. like an opposite world today? I know, I know, I know. <laughs> You're like down I flipped, on Lucic. I flipped, I flipped totally on the coach, on the and coach. you flipped on the GM. <laughs> yeah. I know, I know. What a week! What a week! What a couple weeks! When we flip like this, insane. No, but you know what? He's he's not scared. He's playing where he needs to play, and that old man line, as they've kind of called it, with Brodziak and Cassian, yeah, the identity line. (laughs) Hey, I mean, they're on the ice. Uh, when Anaheim scores to make it one nothing, but or one one, but it's not really their fault. They played a hell of a game. They're playing big they, minutes. They they're, they're, right. they're playing defense in the offensive zone, which is the newest, <laughs> my new favorite quote from Ka- our new coach uh, <laughs> Ken Hitchcock. Um, look, Lucic is going to be my strength this week. Uh, these last two weeks, I, right. I've liked where he's playing. I like that he's accepted the role of where he's going to play. And you know what? That's awesome. I really like the quotes that Hitchcock said um, about Lucic when he was asked when he first got the job. Um, he mentioned how Lucic was just so concerned about scoring goal, scoring goal, scoring goal. And he's like, no, just keep doing what you're doing. Just just like get into the heavy areas and uh, um, get just the puck back. Game, yeah. Like basically get the puck back, right? Yeah. Like, And that's really what you need to do is just like when you see somebody with another team with the puck, get the puck back. Yeah, and Lucic is just good at that. Yeah. So if he can just concentrate on that, those things will come. And I really, like, I agree with you. Like, the, the Lucic thing is more of a Hitchcock thing. And I'm very, very curious as a, a Lucic-Hitchcock combination. Well, and we'll talk about this more. Year. But I think that it's going to be interesting to see how players evolve and change under Hitchcock. The yeah. player with the most opportunities this week, I've got to say, once again, this continues to be a, a trend. It's either you or it seems it's either you or me every week talking about bending in one way or another. Yep. But most of the times it'll be having a lot of opportunities. And I think he's really... There's one of the things, it's just, like, touch and fast and feel. Like, he's getting burned defensively on a bunch of different plays as well, too. And it's not it's not as though, like, that's, like, a big thing for me. But I think what's really, um, what I really notice is just, like, he's causing turnovers because he's not making good passes. Yeah. You know? And yeah. that's, like, sort of, I like, agree. the basics. I agree. Uh, they're sort of, like, basic stuff that he's missing out. And so I think he's really struggled for the next two weeks. And my feeling is that I know they play tonight. We'll get into that in a bit. Yeah. I don't think he's playing tonight because he's had that bad of a stretch here. He's not playing today. Well, we'll get it to why as well. Uh, but, yeah, Benning has been uh, – he's, he's been a liability in that zone sometimes. And uh, yeah. It's been a struggle. It's been it's a been, tough year. It's been up and down for him all year. It really has. And it's sad because, I, I'm, you know, I don't mind Matt Benning. At the same time, like – I don't know. There's something up with him, and there's something up with that third pairing, and it's just been up and down with that third pairing in that defense yeah, area. So, I know. Benning is part of it for sure. Let's take a break, <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll talk about what's coming up next. All right, coming up next in the games to come. So, we talked about <clears throat> them not going through the Pacific. We're going to go through a Pacific stretch here, except for one game. It's a very interesting game here. Uh, today, they're going to play in L.A. Uh, we just talked about it. L.A. is a terrible team this year. They are not good. <laughs> they are not good. Um, Drew Doughty signed a long-term deal <laughs> this year for L.A. Uh, so that's coming up on Sunday. In Tuesday, Edmonton will face Dallas Stars um, in Hitchcock's first game in Edmonton against Dallas. Isn't that ironic? Yeah, it's kind of, you know, you think about all those, those, well, maybe two years, but it felt like all those years where... You know, we had the Garens and the Waits and the Ryan Smiths, and we were going. To, we were always making it. Speaking it like of the playoffs, so like eighth yeah. place. Well, because it was funny. Like there was like the game seven 
Yep. Get, where Todd Marchant won, yep. and so they made it into the second round. And then the next year, they won a game seven against Colorado and then ended up facing Dallas, Dallas in the yep. year that they won. And then I think they fought, faced Dallas the year after that again Yeah, as well, you know, they, it's like being Dallas-Colorado, Dallas-Colorado. Yeah, I remember that. For like a, for and Hitchcock coached all of those Dallas teams yeah. for a while. And then also when the Oilers were in the decorative darkness, he was coaching that St. Louis team that would just run over the Oilers yes. every single time they played, too. So there's – anyway, that's a little bit off topic, but it's going to be exciting <laughs> it to is. see. There's, there's, there's like a bunch of like there's a confluence of things that I think are like really exciting for uh, Edmonton fans and people who have like known the team from our generation. Yeah, I think it's that's like I that, agree. That's sort of like the new storybook. That's not the '80s story. That's like that's that, definitely that, that mid '90s, late '90s. Like it, it's cool. Like Ken Hotch, it, it is cool. I, I'm really stoked on Ken yeah, Hotchcock for another thing. I, I really that's like a lot of reasons why. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So on Thursday they go um, they play against LA again in Edmonton. Um, and on Saturday, they the rematch against Vegas on on that Saturday as well. Um, these are you, four really big games. These are. This is this is a this could be either a really great uh, stretch of games for the Oilers, or it could be really really bad if they start losing. Well, three of these games are three point games or four point games, Absolutely. right? Because they're against divisional rivals. If yeah. you had to make a prediction right now, the Oilers play four games. It's a busy schedule this week. What, where would you put their record? I'm gonna go two and two. I'm going to go, they beat L.A., they beat Dallas, they lose to L.A., and they lose to Vegas. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, that's my guess. What do you think? I think you're right about this being a really important stretch. Uh, this might be one of those weeks that we look back on and say, you know, this is sort of make it or break it in terms of uh, the Oilers' success this year, and I'd like to stay positive. I think they're going to go <laughs> two, one, and one. Oh. <laughs> so I'm going to get them one more point than you're going to give them. I was I think, so ready for the 4 0. Yeah. 4 0. I was so ready for that. I was just like, oh, it's, he's coming. He's saying it. I'm yeah. going to be really positive I'm about it. I'm going to be really positive. 4 0. Okay, here, okay, I'll amend it. I'll amend it. I'll amend it. I'm going to go 3 0 and 1. 3 0 and 1. Okay. I think they're so, gonna one lose. overtime loss. I think they're going to lose to Dallas in overtime, and I think they're okay. going to beat LA, LA, and Vegas. Okay. Okay, that's actually a good prediction. I can I, I can see that happening. All I can right. see that happening. Let's, yeah. uh, let's take a break and then we'll jump into the news for this <laughs> Lots week. Lots of news today. All right, we got a lot of news to talk about. We got yes. we missed a lot of stuff, and this is probably one of the more important couple weeks that we had for uh, this season for the Oilers. Yeah, likely in the show's history, our show's history. Yeah, I guess so. That's true, eh? Yeah. That's very true. Um so your boy Ryan Strom got traded. Yeah, my boy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, I tweeted it out. I sent you a text message. Let me hear the take. Let me hear it. Everly for Spooner. So listen. <laughs> so okay, Ryan Strom. I can't. Even, I can't even because it's already been done. It's already been said before. But like, um, you know, I feel I feel kind of bad about Ryan Strom thing because he it's not really his fault he got traded for a sixty point person. It's really Trelly's fault on this one. I mean, yeah, you you get like traded and and you get like all these unnatural expectations around who you are. Yeah, Trelly also kind of built him up to be like, oh yeah, he's going to be a replacement for Everly. Don't worry yeah, about that. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and that just <laughs> simply wasn't the case. No, it never was the case for Ryan Strom. He's only hit fifty points one time. Um, and he's like, for example, if if we've gotten Ryan Strom with a different type of trade, if we've gotten I don't know maybe a smaller trade or something like that, I feel like people would have liked Ryan Strom. I think Ryan Strom was a good two way player. Are you one of those people that think he would have had more success if he they, there had been like less attention brought on because of the trade? 
Mm, maybe. I feel like if we if we still would have kept Everly and had Ryan Strom somehow, this would have been fine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know. I think I think Ryan Strom is a decent player. Yeah. He's not going to replace him for our Jordan. I mean, Everly. I think what's happened here is that you've seen that um, there is the, the the capacity to score that we thought that Shirelli thought that we thought the Oilers are going to have being able to play the game despite not having Hall and Eberly. It's probably not the case. Yeah. And Strom's uh, lack of production did a good job of showing that. Not good job necessarily, as in good, good, but, like, <laughs> did it articulate that pretty well. Absolutely. What have you been thinking about Spooner now that we've got, like, we, we've, we, got, we, like, we, a week we've had a week and a half? I don't know. He's invisible. I never I, – I don't see him out on the ice. He doesn't really, like, do well, a whole lot. He doesn't play a lot of minutes. He's yeah. fast. Um, he's pretty competitive, I find. I mean, he hasn't had a point yet, or maybe if he, he has, has a I one point, he has <clears> one so point. I, I didn't see that. Um, yeah. It's funny, I didn't see it that way. I actually, I've watched very little of the Oilers in the last two weeks and because I've been busy with work, and he's been the player that I've seen like interesting a, a few times. Uh, and you know, whether it's chasing down a puck that ends up like covered or something like that, or you know, a good fast break, or you know, just I, I mean, I've been seeing him a little bit. He's a different type of player than Strom. Strom was a little bit more methodical and I think calculated. Spooner's a little bit north-south really fast. Yeah, he is. He is. And, you know, like, again, he's one of those people that had a really bad season. He's having a really bad season in New York. Um, a product of Shirelli's Boston days yeah. as well. Yeah. So I I don't know. I mean, he's okay. Like, I'm not a – like, if this – if the Ryan Strom for Ryan Spooner trade happens in a vacuum, we're not talking about Jordan no, Abraham absolutely. like that. I think it's a decent trade. Yeah, it's fine. Like, it's like a fine trade. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> one player that's struggling with one team for another player that's struggling with that team. That's yeah, and, you know, Rangers retain some salary. It's fine. It's a fine trade. So the Oilers lose 6-3. <laughs> the team is embattled in Vegas. They lose 6-3 to their, in front of their own crowd, I think. Which is the worst. Um, it's, the team's embattled. They take three days off, and they fly out to California for this current three-game sort of California road trip. Day before... Or day, day of, they go in to play um, San, San Jose. Jose in San Jose, the best team in the league. Peter Shirley makes an announcement. Todd McClellan, coach of the Edmonton Oilers for three years and a bit, 3.25 years, yep. has been fired. Mm-hmm. And he has been replaced with longtime coach, mentioned his name already a couple times on the show, <laughs> Ken Hitchcock, Edmonton native. Edmonton, Sherwood Park native. Sherwood Park BT native. Dubs. All right. <laughs> It's going to get annexed eventually, okay? It will. <laughs> Hot municipal, municipalities take right there. Um, so I know you've been pushing for a long time. Calling for is a strong word, but wow. on this show you've been pretty critical of yes. a lot of management uh, and yep. leadership up, and I think that that starts with Tom McClellan. Mm-hmm. Uh, so your initial thoughts on this? What's your initial reaction? And then now that you've had a couple of days to kind of digest, uh, where have you ended up? Similar I or different? I am digging it. <laughs> I'm digging it. I really like this move. Okay, first of all, I wanted to say last year, even at the start of this year, I said, if the Oilers are not in a position to compete by Thanksgiving, American Thanksgiving, they need to make changes. Guess what happened? Yeah. <laughs> we fired a coach before American Thanksgiving, because um, that is that's to me that's like the deadline to like you got to change your team. Um, in regards to McClellan and Hitchcock, now 
<laughs> Again, I'm going to be um, more, uh, how do you the word? Um, like, I'm going to be more positive about this in the sense that McClellan was, like, he got handed a roster. He got handed this roster. He tried to do the best that he can with it. He does have some faults. <laughs> he did have some, like, the blender part was really bad. Yeah, you didn't like that. I didn't like it. I didn't like the fact that he, you know, the handling of Pugliarvi was really suspect. And by and blender, we'll, you mean he just, like, would tear lines apart mid-game, right? Mid-game, right. And just would just be like, oh, no, we're not, we're not doing that again, or we're not doing this. And he, he does some panic moves yeah. that, that I didn't really like. Fair enough. But as McClellan, he's going to get another job. Dude's going to get... Oh yeah, I, I don't think he's any. He's, any, he's still a good anything coach. to worry. I think he is a good coach. I think. Yeah. Um, I think. So, his. I think he had a tough year. Not unlike Talbot, he had a tough year last year in terms of just coaching, like just in-game management stuff. Who was playing with who? His uh, proclivity to overplay experienced older veteran players. Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't mind him mixing up the lines mid-game, but I know there are people that are frustrated by that, and I think that the there were some players that are frustrated by that, yeah, by yeah. that too. Um, so, yeah, there, there, there's a there's a couple pieces here. I think, you know, McClellan's a product of is, lack of success is a product of a number of different things, not a lot of it associated with him. And I know, you know, you can go into the Shirelli rant, and we've gone into the Shirelli right, rant right, right. a couple times, so we don't have to do that. Looking forward, though, um, I really like... Ken Hitchcock, the idea of yeah. Ken Hitchcock. I, I like him too. on a one-year deal just to finish the season. Agreed. Let's see exactly. I, I think, you know, w- w- one of the things that I wanted to mention this, I saved it when we were talking about this before, mm-hmm. is that it's an opportunity for, I think, a really fair assessment of the roster Agreed. as an organization, as general manager. So Ken Hitchcock is going to play players to where they should be. He has the experience, the knowledge, the capacity. Uh, the understanding of the game to put players in position where they have the best chance of success. You can almost guarantee that night in, night out, that that's how he's going to coach. Um, because he's a very that he's a very old school technical guy in that sort of way. Uh, he's well known for being a hard ass and yep. tough. Um, so he's going to get every little bit that he can out of every little player. He's going to put them in positions that they have success, like a $6 million player on the fourth line. Right. And then you're going to get a fair assessment of this team. And I, I think that that is really important moving forward as an organization uh, for Shirelli, for Nicholson, for everybody. Uh, everybody. So yeah. I totally agree. In that, in that vein, I think it's it's really interesting. Um, the other thing I want to say quickly is I like coaches a lot, so I spend a lot of time. I listen to their pre and post game. <laughs> nice. I spend more time listening to like the coaches pre and post game than sometimes I do watching the games. Um, so uh, I will say I like really like his verbiage and language around the team. I thought it was Me the first too. time. It's the first time Me I've too. ever heard someone say, uh, "Not be critical of Connor McDavid because like he wasn't, but just was like I'm going to get more out of him. I, I'm going to put him in positions. I'm going to show him how to play better." And it's like, oh shit! Like this guy's the best player in the world, and there's a coach that's walking into the room being like, I'm, I can, I can help I can you. Help you. Yeah. Um, and even his, like, his statement where he said, like, I told the guys, uh, I'm going to get more out of you than you can get out of yourselves. Like that, just that sort of confidence and that like, yeah. okay, I've been doing this for 35 years, yeah. 40 years, basically not, not in an one NHL, of the winningest but, like, coaches one in the of NHL. Those, yeah. Like he could just kind of walk into a room and command success in that sort of way. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how player certain players because not everyone's going to react positively i know that but it's going to be interesting to see how players play changes mm-hmm. under ken hitchcock and a ken hitchcock chain uh, coach team i mean we're starting to see it with some of those core guys but how does this affect guys like kajula mm-hmm. how does it affect someone like darnell I'm nurse i'm really excited about something like that because yeah. i think this would be really good larson another example some of our defense i think 
uh, that's going to be really advantageous. I know I've talked for a bit there, but I'm just no, no, no. It's I'm good. interested in kind of how this is going to uh, adjust, sort of. Yeah, responses from players. I'm I interested totally agree. in seeing that. I totally agree, and I think that <clears throat> Hitchcock was, I think, a really like almost perfect hire for the Oilers in this space stage of the game. Um, bringing in a coach that doesn't need to prove anything to anybody, right? He's not like a brand new coach. He's not like a young guy with like new systems and whatnot. He's like, I'm a veteran guy. I've won Stanley Cups. I am one of the winningest coaches in the NHL. I have nothing to prove. I'm bas- I came out of retirement to do this, basically, as like a hired gun almost to say like I'm gonna, <laughs> in lack of better words, I'm gonna fuck you guys up and then I'm gonna leave. Um, <clears throat> But it's great. It's a fantastic thing, and you're absolutely right. I think what the Oilers do at the rest of the season will be nothing to do with Hitch. It will be more to do to say, like, this is an assessment on you, Peter Shirelli and Bob Nicholson, and the rest of the, like, Keith Gretzky and whoever it is. Yeah. To say, like, we gave you one of the best coaches in the NHL. This is what happens with this roster. Yeah. Exactly. So it's, and I'm very happy with what Hitch is saying. Um, his comments about Lucic were, were fantastic to say, like, we've talked about that already. Um, very interested in how people like Drake Kajula like, respond to Ken Hitchcock. Same thing. Yeah, with, there's some really interesting questions yeah. around how this is going to adjust some of the players. That's why I brought that up. I, yeah, yeah. You can go through the list. There's a number of different players, I think. And I, right, right from the captain down, really, to be honest with I you. I think in, as well, too, like someone like Leon Dreisaitl, I think, is, a, is I'm going to be a measuring stick for how Ken Hitchcock plays with this team because I feel like... And also, and we'll talk about it a little bit later, uh, is Jesse Pugliarvi uh, is another one. I feel like Leon Dreisaitl, to me, is a measuring stick in regards to that he has such a high upside, but we know that, that his defensive game lacks sometimes. We saw it in the Anaheim game. Oh, that little flyby <clears throat> that little, Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bit of, like, just laziness that comes out of him. But he's such a damn good player. So if he can get him to a good two-way game. Um, oh, and by the way, before we move on, um, did you see, uh, what's this called, uh, Jim Matheson? No, and Mark Spector. Yeah, Jim Matheson and Mark Spector. No. They were saying, like, well, Hitchcock is going to make McDavid lose a little bit of points, but he's going to be a better two-way player. And so Hitchcock was like, no. Oh, yes, I saw the, Hitchcock response. was like, no, uh, he will still be a good player, <laughs> and he will be maybe a little bit, do a little bit defensively. And they asked McDavid, and McDavid was like, I've always worked on my defense, you jerks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Get out of here. Yeah. It's not like I'm not a good defensive player. It's like I can still put up points by playing good defense. Yes. It's like don't like don't come at me like that. Yeah. Which is great. It was like a good like boom. Now dunk on you guys. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> How a lot. dare you come after the king? <laughs> yeah. No, I think it's I, you know, I, I think Hitchcock entering into the dressing room makes everyone a little bit uncomfortable. I agree. And I kind of like that. I love it, too. That's I love fine. it, too. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Pugliarvi. Let's just transition into him coming back. Sure. Um, so Jesse Pugliarvi played four games in the AHL. He had six points in total, I think. Did he, no, I think he had four. I think he had a point a game. Oh, I thought he had more than that. Oh, maybe he did. I don't know. Maybe. I think I saw Bob Stoffer tweet last night. So okay. I, I, I mean, on. that's it's from the from the head mouth. <laughs> He's the Oilers. Mouth. Edmonton Oilers uh, <laughs> employee Bob Stoffer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's the herald for the Oilers. Uh, Jesse Pugliarvi uh, is he had a he had a decent stint. Four games in the AHL. Um, a conditioning stint. Conditioning stint, as they would call it. Uh, Hitchcock um, mentioned to Trelli. He said he basically said Jesse Pugliarvi is going to be my personal pet project. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. So he basically said, "Miss that." Yeah, he was. 
he, I don't know when he's talking to a reporter, he said, I asked Peter Shrella to bring back Pugliarvi. This kid is at such a high offensive output, has such high potential, he should not be playing in the AHL. Right. He should be playing in the Especially NHL. Especially three years into his contract, or a year, or whatever. Exactly. So, and he's like, he's going to be my kind of like, like I'm going to push him as best as I can, because I want the more out of him. So I wonder what that looks like, but I think that... Hitchcock has said, I want him here. So here's my fear. Always. Yes. (laughs) Um, Lots of similarities in sort of trajectory between Pugliarvi and Yakupov. Don't say it. Ah, I knew you were going to say it. Um, (laughs) And, you know, before Yakupov left the NHL to go and play in the KHL, he did do a bit of a stint with uh, the St. Louis Blues. Well, coached by one uh, Ken Hitchcock. <laughs> yep. So I'm not going to say this is going to happen, but I'm nervous about it. That's all. That's all I'm going to say. Yes, I'm with you. <laughs> uh, so here's the quote. I want a responsibility for his development. I didn't just want him watching him play in the AHL. I feel this is the type of player we need to win in the Western Conference. I asked Peter if he'd bring him up for practice today. And Talbot starts today, by the way. Um, so that's Poyarvi. I, yeah, yes, that is a worry of mine as well, that we're going to break him a bit. Um, I think the Yakupov one is a little bit different in the sense that I think Yakupov is not as good Do as player. It'll be, yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, I think, uh, look, it's going to be interesting to see where he plays in the lineup, too. Because mm-hmm. he is an offensive player. Yep. Uh, he's an offensive star, and that's cool. So I think... Does he get first line minutes? Does he play with McDavid? That's a big question. Where do you put him? I think I would start him up there. I would. I, 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 would, I would mess around with that too. I think uh, it, it's been interesting. Hitchcock has sort of stuck with the dry side of uh, McDavid sort of first line, right? And he, you know, accounted for the fact that Nuge is such a good player. He yeah. can play in the second line. Confidence in the Nuge. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's got confidence. And <laughs> yeah, it's funny As how I think someone else tweeted this out, copying it. But basically, like every NHL coach who has yeah Ryan Nugent Hopkins just realized how good he is yeah. in the first like. <laughs> Ten minutes of him playing, you know. I know, right? Yeah, like it's like he's, he's like such a good player. He's such, he's a, good such player. a good player. He's outstanding. Yeah. Right? So, um, and definitely one of the most underrated players in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, getting back to Pulleyarvi, yeah, I think you start him there. I think you have to you have to get him into a headspace where he's playing important minutes and making a difference. And I think you know you see someone like his NHL classmate. Patrick Laine having lots of success in Winnipeg. Yeah. And he's grown a lot as well. Laine's grown a lot he has. A, a, as a player. And I don't think Julie Arby has grown as much. Right. So, yeah, there's lots to go on there, and I'm excited to see what comes. And another example of just, like, how is this coaching change going to impact individual players? That's what we're going to want to watch and see. Um, and hopefully the mo- majority of them are positively, and that's all you can hope for as yeah. a fan, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, if we think about it, Jesse Pugliarvi was the leading scorer in that World Juniors team that won the gold medal, um, that was a team of Patrick Liney and others yeah, in, that, in that team. So it's like he does have that potential to be a really fantastic player. And he's big, player. and he's got a good shot, yeah. and he can move the puck. So, yeah, I'm excited to see what happens with Pugliarvi, another measuring stick for him. Um, Absolutely. And then the last piece of news, that a smaller piece of news, uh, we, uh, we traded that sixth round conditional pick that we got from somebody else, if I don't remember who. Um, we traded it to the Senators for... Uh, Uber driver, Chris Weidman. <laughs> you hear about the Uber story? Oh, I remember. I've seen the Uber story. Yeah. I've seen the... Uh, 
I, I, I windwheeled my Twiggy into the board, <laughs> I think was my favorite yes. quote. <laughs> I was like, man, hockey players, what are you talking <laughs> It's like another language, honestly. I know. <laughs> It's like I was like, how can, how do people like how do NHL players like how do players from other countries come here and not learn English? I'm like, oh, because none of their teammates are speaking. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm talking about <laughs> sellies and twigs and you get some brekkies and <laughs> and it just ends everything with boys. So he was in the front seat. He wasn't one of the guys in the back. He was right? in the front seat. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He was in the front seat. He wasn't complaining as much as Matt Duchesne uh, was, but Chris. Weidman was definitely a part of that that group of, of senators complaining about the coach. Yeah. Uh, I very much doubt that Chris Weidman is going to complain about Hitchcock. I feel like Hitchcock is rip a tear out of him. Yeah. But I think, I like, what do you think about this trade? You know what? It's Peter Shirelli is really good at this part of the game. I know you are critical on him on some of his bigger moves, and I think everyone can be in some sort of instance um, to varying degrees. I mean, you and I have a different opinion on to what degree. Um, but I think we can both agree that these sort of around the edges, Spooner for Strom, Weidman for Sixth, Cassian for Scribbins, you know, yeah. those are the sorts of things that are really he's really good at. Yes. And uh, I'm totally fine with it. Look, yeah, it's too. a player who's in a little bit not playing well, maybe in and out of the lineup, also had this, like, controversy. It's just time to move him out of there, fresh start, give him an opportunity. He's probably lower value. He's probably worth more than a conditional sixth round pick. I think so too. But he uh, <laughs> is kind of in some trouble with the media right now. So you know, take advantage of a team that's desperate to move the guy. Hey, probably. that's exactly what Shirelli is good at. Yeah, and you know what? I think you, we should be going like as a GM. If I was a GM, I would be looking at any team that it was having problems with specific players and be like, I want that guy. I want that guy. And because they're, that's a sell low kind of thing. And I think like getting Chris Weidman is a is a buy low. And kind he's of doing thing. a favor for Ottawa too, so it's not as though he's exactly. like taking advantage of him. It's and I like, mean, it's a, probably a favor for Chris Weidman. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it's like a new, it's a new opportunity. <laughs> anyway, this is, uh, you know, I say this every time one of these deals comes through. Um, good on him. Excited to see where he comes in. He's he's coming in fresh with a new coach, so there's a bunch of different other stuff coming in mm-hmm. with that as well. I just think it's gonna be awesome. It'll be good. It'll be good. And uh, I think he gets in tonight too, because I think Benning's definitely out for him. Yes, I think he gets. In. He was. He didn't play in. LA, no, sorry, San Jose. Definitely didn't play in San Jose. Definitely didn't play against Anaheim. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Um, he will be in um, probably tonight. I would and think. yeah, again, going back to the Benning thing, like, like this is another one where this is a, a, an L on Benning. So I, I wish the best for Benning. I hope he comes back bigger and stronger like he did that one season. But he's not, he's not good enough as a five six right now. No, I mean, we'll see with Chris Weidman. But anyways. That's news and notes. A lot of news, a lot of things to talk about. Uh, we're going to come back on a big topic. We're going to talk something a little bit more positive, a little bit more fun. We're going to talk about Carolina. Okay, so um, we are going to talk about celebrations. I love to celebrate. I love when Can we start score. a moratorium on the word selly? I'm so over the word selly. <laughs> You gotta talk to hockey players about that. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Okay, going back to the hockey. Going back like to the hockey language in like like in friggin' sentences. It's like going back to I hockey. Sallied. Hockey languages like like vernacular is they're the laziest in regards to like um, figuring out a good slang. It's the laziest thing, and it's indicative to the sport. It really is. <laughs> if you want to talk about culture shift, let's talk about the vernacular language. But we're not here to talk about the language. We're here to talk about the celebrations. Yes, absolutely. Have you looked at the Carolina Hurricanes? Yeah, I've seen a bunch of them, actually. Yeah. What do you think of them? I love them. 
I think that they're. I, I, it's sort of a. I mean, it's 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 taking the like going to center ice and raising your sticks to the next level, right? Like, Absolutely. And that's all about commemorating, you know, shouting out your fans and saying like, yeah. "Thanks for coming. Thanks for enjoying the game. Thanks for supporting us. Thanks for buying tickets." Basically, right? Because it's not you know exactly the cheapest thing to go to any game, and and it's not like in Carolina there isn't a lot of competition for other things that you could be doing with your Absolutely. time and money, right? Uh, and I think that that's prevalent across the league. So why not take that to the next level and get your fans excited for you to win because they get to see something funny or something fun, something fun. and something creative yeah. and something unique that's to your team, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's a bit like the next... After that, I think the only thing I can compare to is P.K. Subban and Carey Price and their like, multiple high-five thing that they did every time they won, <laughs> like right? Band. Yeah, they got banned. <laughs> and eventually ultimately led to P.K. Subban being traded out of Montreal. So let's, yeah. Um, oh, it caught the sports. I mean, I love that kind of stuff. Although if, and I, and I think it's important. Although if you told me that there was going to be blowback for it, I would be like, yeah, of course. There's gonna- yeah, I, no. I, I wouldn't even be surprised. Like, it's not that. It's not, it's not even a question of surprise. I would. I would have been surprised if there wasn't blowback to it. Okay. It's so funny like, when we start. When I pitched this topic to Elliot, and I was like, oh, oh yeah, oh Brian Burke said something, and he's like, of course he did. Like, yeah, like, I was like, I, was like, oh, like, I didn't know that that happened, yeah, but I'm not but surprised like- that it did. <laughs> It was like, who was it? Brian Burke. Don Cherry. You know, one of those the, guys? The coach from uh, Columbus. Oh, John Torella. Uh, yeah, you know, like, you know, just like, <laughs> like one of those guys. You know, one of those idiots on the hockey panel next to Elliot Friedman. <laughs> yeah. This is, totally. I could totally see like you know, Nick Nick Kiprios, Mark Spector, Jim Matheson. Any of those. Yeah, who, who doesn't like it? Tell me. Tell me. <laughs> so in, the, in this case, it was Brian Burke. <laughs> it was Brian Burke who uh, openly questioned it. Um, by the way, Brian Burke, ex-Hartford um, Whaler uh, general manager, by the way, uh, <laughs> who, as you I know... I think he's general managed a couple more teams than that. But Hartford Whalers in regards to that's the Carolina oh, Hurricanes I see. right okay. now. All right, there's a connection. There's, there's a, a connection, connection there, right. yeah. Um, so he said, quote, uh, the fans like it, terrific. Stay and watch it, clap, have another beer, and stay and watch some swim or canoe or whatever they're doing next. I'm not watching. Um and he also called it some sort of like Bush League or something like that. He said it was kind of uh, ridiculous. Like Pee Wee team or something. Pee Wee team. Something that involved the Pee Wee team. Yeah. Yeah. So he, for those of you that don't know, Pee Wee is, I think, 14 and 15 year olds, the age group in uh, in hockey. Maybe yeah. A bit younger than that. Yeah. So, like, uh, <laughs> so the Hurricanes, uh, to their credit, uh, took that and basically said, oh, no, this is what he said. Uh, Bruce Sands teams are abs- absurdly amateurish Pee Wee garbage stuff. Um, that's what he said. And so to the Carolina Hurricanes credit, they're like, well, we're just going to ramp it up. <laughs> yeah. We're just going to make gonna more gonna of make it. Make more of a bigger deal out of it than we can. <laughs> this is why Twitter's great for professional organizations, professional sports teams organizations. If you've got someone that knows how to like oh, yeah. ramp it up and like, you know, win, a, win an argument with like an old boomer, I mean, boom, you know, done. Just dunk on them. Dunk yeah. on them repeatedly. Um, the thing is, is this, this is really interesting in the fact that... Do you remember when players first started to raise their stick after a home win? It wasn't that, it wasn't that it long wasn't ago. It wasn't that long ago. Yeah. Uh, was, was it right after the lockout? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah, it was right after, like, I don't know if it was the 2006 one or the 2013 one. But they were raising the stick to say, like, thank you. I think it was 2013. Yeah. yeah it to was say like, thank you for sticking around, right? Yes. Yes. And now it's become this thing that, that players do regardless now. I think the Oilers do it every now when they win at home. Um, but the Carolina... Since 2013, we haven't seen a lot of sticks in the air. Yeah. 
Yes. Either <laughs> um, that or someone throws a, a jersey on the ice, as per tradition in Edmonton. <laughs> um, the Carolina Hurricanes took it, took it to another level by introducing the slow clap, uh, which they stole from the Iceland soccer team, but that's okay. Um, I'm cool with them stealing stuff from soccer. <laughs> uh, and then they do something kind of crazy. So I think more teams should do this. So, like two weeks ago, three weeks ago, we had like a really engaged conversation around, maybe a bit more than that now, uh, engaged conversation around uh, attitude, uh, fan ambiance during games. Yes, and how specifically in Edmonton, it was really quiet and sort of like not fun. And Edmonton had, had this reputation for a long time as being a very quiet arena until like things really start popping off and then it's like really good. Mm-hmm. Um, so part of that is that maybe perhaps fans don't feel as engaged and if you're if you're looking forward to a really funny cool interesting celebration watching your 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 hockey heroes do something to celebrate a win you're more inclined to want them to win the game Absolutely. are you not Absolutely. which means you're more inclined to watch to cheer for them and you know go ooh and ah and yeah. woo when there's a penalty you know yes. so i mean like why but then why are we fighting this type of why, why would you fight that kind of stuff? why do you have to have an opinion if you don't like it you're like like okay like I don't really like it I don't think it's very professional like okay fine then keep your mouth shut like it's it's engaging it's engaging an audience that that wants it and people this they wouldn't old, do it if people didn't hang around until the end of the game to watch it how dare you, you remember tame. when people used to sit and watch the three stars were kind of cool so you'd sit yeah. and listen to the three stars how often do people do that anymore Never. No. Never. They've no. tried to engage, like, well, we'll do a post-game interview with a player yeah. on the big screen to, like, get people to stick around towards the end. No. People get up, and they just leave, and they run out. So if you can do something that keeps people in their seats, that keeps them engaged, and means and pushes them to want to have the team win, why wouldn't you do that? Absolutely. 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 And, <laughs> and also, how dare you uh, disrespect the old white man that just needs to say something about everything? Well, yeah. It's like, you know, I mean, sometimes it's, sometimes I, I think it's half between, like, remaining relevant and also, like, showing your true colors. Like, you know, Brian Burke is such – we were kind of talking about this right before we went live here yeah. around, like, just – he's a complex fellow, fellow because he's done lots of stuff for inclusion in the game. And, and he's certainly been an advocate for LGBTQ mm-hmm. um, and mental health services. Yeah. Um, and I think he's also – you know, I think – I don't really care, but he's been a pretty good advocate for Calgary too. Yeah, and a, he has in a, been in a very complicated conversation around uh, uh, the arena. He's been a staunch defender that the you know uh, Calgary needs a new arena, and whether you feel about however you feel about that and taxpayer funded dollars. Anyway, he's he's been a defender of that yeah. of that group. Um, yeah, and but he's yeah, a, yeah. The other side of it, then you just get this like yeah, old white man, stupid hot take. That's just like come on, you I know? know. It's like why why do you need to say that? That's not important. And also like. You want more people to come out into the stands. These are the same type of people, like, I mean, again, Brian Burke, not specifically, but, like, the same type of people who, who will say, like, Carolina should not have a team. Or Carolina, they bug people for Carolina's attendance, that they're like, oh, there's not people coming to the games. They're like, this will bring people to the games. Um, more people are more invested now in the Carolina Hurricanes since they probably won their Stanley Cup. And, like, that's, to me, is really interesting. It's really important. They really have a good team, and they really have a really, a really interesting team. Um, this year, and they have a really good, a lot of good players, and uh, this just adds to their mystique. And I was, I was just talking about this because um, I went to just to New York a while back, and I went to go see a Yankees game. Have you ever humble brag? 
Yeah, I'm sorry. I also went to Mumufuku as well, but just, we'll just talk about it later. later, later. Uh, Listen, I've been to a Yankees game too, okay? Okay. In the old Yankee Stadium. <laughs> yeah, I went to the new one. So then you got, got one over ha. me. <laughs> so in the Yankees game, um, some people, obviously Yankee supporters, will probably know this. They, they do the roll call at the start of the game. So the roll call is um, the fans, the bleachers, uh, they will yell out a name. They will chant somebody's name in the infield until the that player acknowledges the crowd. And they will go every single player in the infield and the outfield until everybody acknowledges the crowd. And they will chant his name until he gets acknowledged. And some players will, like, immediately acknowledge. Some players will, like, have some fun with it and just, like, keep it going until it gets acknowledged, until the last person is the pitcher and it gets acknowledged and we're good. And they can basically, like, continue the game. Uh very cool thing kind of fan driven but at the same time like that's like fun of the sport and that's like one of the oldest <laughs> oldest franchises oldest, in base and it's also like the oldest whitest like old man hot take sport exactly exactly so it's like i i don't get why hockey culture sometimes does this like they they just but we have this conversation stop, over and over they just and stop over their and foot over all the time. and over again about how like how these it's like a code. Like, the code means something. It's like, you don't understand unless you played the game and you know the code. And it's like, okay, I get it. I, I, like, I get kind of where you're coming from around, like, you know, yeah, I don't get it, obviously. <laughs> but, like, I'm also, like, a person who, like, you don't have a, you don't have a code if no one shows up to watch your game. And if, like, we right. want something exciting and interesting, why not push it? This is the other thing, too. You know, these are tougher markets to break into. Absolutely. Like I said, there's lots of stuff Absolutely. to do in Carolina. Yeah. There's lots of stuff to do in New York. There's lots of stuff to do in in Florida. Mm-hmm. So if you are finding creative and interesting ways to engage with fans and engage with your fan base, and then doubly, um, you know, being shot down by a Canadian markets that are, and Canadian personalities that have no issue ever generating any type of interest in Absolutely. their teams. Like, no wonder that there's sort of like you know I could understand why Gary Batman would be frustrated by Canadian audiences and Canadian old boys clubs around this kind of stuff. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean like they're fight, they're fighting against the NFL, the Panthers. They're fighting against the Hornets and the NBA. Like the and they're also fighting against like things like NASCAR, which is infinitely more popular. And college football. And college football too, right? Like that's that's all the stuff. Like the NHL in Carolina is probably fifth or sixth, but yet you gotta get, you gotta embrace that. And also it says the, the Carolina Hurricanes, they have a new owner. Um, that's probably adding to this this intrigue around this team. Um, they make some really interesting moves. You know, I'm all for the Carolina Hurricanes right now, even though they beat the Oilers in 2006. But that was old move on from that. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. I'm just done with this. I'm done with like every third topic. We have to talk about some angry old white man commenting on like why hockey's fun and why it shouldn't be. That's what, that's what should be our, 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 our angry old white man segment. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Should we just have that segment? <laughs> oh, boy. I feel we need to start that when that happens. Okay, everybody. I hope you had a great, great uh, couple weeks. I hope you missed us. Um, and uh, we will be back next week on the 104 podcast. Elliot, where, I don't know if you want to even say this, <laughs> where can people find you? Um, <laughs> just don't at me. Yeah, just, don't. just don't at me this week. <laughs> yeah, he's having a tough week, so leave him alone. Um, you can at me, though. You can at me at uh, German, not German on Twitter. And you can at the 104 podcast at 10 O is in the letter O4 pod. 
you can always check out our stuff on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your favorite podcast. So next week we'll have a great Pacific three oh and one three oh and one. I'm gonna say two and two. We'll see what happens. Have a great week, everyone. We'll see you next time on the 104 Podcast.